0: Right, today I'm going to be talking about obedience to God's will. Obedience to God's will. So uh, let's start by defining what obedience is. Obedience. Now, obedience, I picked a few lines from the dictionary. One says, compliance with an order. Compliance with an order, request or law. So when you comply, when you when you comply to instructions, when you comply to an order given to you, an order, we'd say, we're talking about when somebody gives you an instruction, here, yeah, ask you to do something and you do it. That's been, excuse me, that's been obedient. And another definition of obedience is submission to another's authority. Submission to another's authority. So when you submit to an authority, you are being obedient, right? And make it a little bit spiritual, obedience is to align our will to God's will. So for Christians, obedience is aligning our will and showing what we do, what we give ourselves to is in line with what God wants us to do. God's will for our lives. Uh, I like how Ephesians chapter f- uh, 5, verse 17, the uh, NIV version, let's, let's read it, NIV. Now, so I like how the NIV puts it. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish. This is NIV. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord is. There's a version I read. That version reads, do not act thoughtlessly. Do not act, act thoughtlessly. Do not act without thinking. Do not act like someone who does not have a direction. Do not, NLT. Okay, my wife knows those different versions, right? NLT. So, let's look at the New Living Translation. I thought it was NIV. Okay. I love this. So, NLT reads, do not act. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act like someone who does not have a brain. <laughs> I was trying to be very posh this morning, but <laughs> you can't take this from me. <laughs> do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That's, it. That's the part I was looking for. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So when you understand what the Lord wants you to do, and you comply, you align yourself with what God wants you to do, that is simply walking in obedience. Now, in context, for the sake of this sermon today, or this service today, I'll be speaking in the context of what we've been looking at in the past few weeks, Purpose. God's plan for your life, what God wants you to do, God's calling for your life. So the Bible makes us to understand that it is our responsibility to find out God's will for our lives. Right? It is our responsibility to do what? To find out God's will for our lives. And we should understand it. So if we're created by God for a purpose, and if the reason for our existence is to do the will of the Father, then it means that we should commit ourselves to understand, to study, to understand, not acting thoughtlessly. Not today you are in the Caribbean, tomorrow you are in Dubai looking for something that is not lost. Amen. With all due respect, some, some pastors uh, kind of act thoughtlessly. Uh, primarily, the role of and the responsibility of a pastor is to build the ship, build the church. But when a pastor is never at home, I will, I will never pay attention or give attention to his flock, and, but wants to be a celebrity, wants to be known in Japan, in Tokyo, he might as well switch career and be an evangelist. As opposed to want to be a pastor. So what I'm trying to say is this, a pastor who's, who's, who has given himself to flying all across the globe to preach does not understand the will of God for his life. The Bible says, "Be diligent to know the state of thy flock." I guess because I'm a pastor, that's what I'm trying to explain. This, if I have examples from each and every one of you, I will be able to, you know, explain this. But for as a pastor, I can, you know, I can explain a few things here. So, a pastor is not called to fly all around to be a celebrity. Uh, he's in Jamaica today. He's in Dublin tomorrow, preaching everywhere and his church is not growing. His church, they are not mature. There's chaos and confusion in his church. No, he does not understand the will of God, and he's not obeying the will of God. Now, to you, there's something in my heart here. I don't know what God is, what God is speaking to, but something in my heart here, and I'm going to let it out. So to you, who's, who is hosting a pastor from another church all the time? He comes to speak. He's here speaking, speaking. To you, you honor and respect the man of God. But I will say to you, the pastor that you should respect is the one that sits down in his house with his family and looks and looks after them. Maybe there's a pastor watching me or someone watching me, but this is for someone because this is completely out of uh, my my script in a sense. And I'm wondering as I'm speaking, I'm wondering, Lord, who are you speaking to? So I'll just do it so that I can feel peace because I've been I'm I'm still running in my mind, Lord. What's going on here? Right. So many people, many churches will, will appreciate and celebrate pastors who go around the world and popular. But if you want to respect a pastor, go to their church. What is the state of their church? What is the state of their flock? See, see they, they, what determines or what, what measures or how would we measure if a pastor is doing well is by, is by how their house is put together their church, their own home, not how they look or the look percep- or the perception of the world about them. So I don't know what that is for, but there's something I feel God wants me to talk about. And if God is speaking to you as a head of a home, right? you like to look good in front of the eyes of the world. Everyone celebrates you. You are a fantastic man. But in your home, your wife and your kids don't respect you because you lack character, you're not doing well. So every man and woman should seek to first excel and succeed at home, not in the eyes of the public. I repeat, every man and woman, child, children, should first seek, should seek first to excel at home, be obedient to your parent, respect your father, respect your mother, husband, respect your wife, Wife, respect your husband. That should, that should be where our focus is. Everyone should, should seek to excel in their relationship with their immediate family, not with the outside world. Who don't know you? Because the world is going in the direction, and it's always been like this From since I kind of you know, could differentiate between right and wrong. Uh, since I reached the age of consciousness, they say, right, I've seen that a lot of people look good. You know, some people come and greet you at home. They, come, they visit you and when I mean, you're like wow fantastic person and i see this in life of many people you know you respect them oh great man of god great guy but in their home they are like monsters i feel the lord is teaching someone this morning on how to live a christian life and how to define your values what you value how you value people why you respect people Someone coming on, on, on social media and speak, and speak eloquently and preach the Bible and all kind of stuff, should, that should not really wow you or move you. Thank God they can share the word of God. But what is the quality state of their character? What is their character like? Amen. So I believe the Lord will want us or want me to raise a generation of believers who don't go by what they see. Merely by what they see but would would seek to understand what is going on behind the curtains. Now, I'm not saying that we should be perfect, but I believe God does not want us to live a fake life where we we, we present a, a face to the world while we are lacking character, quality character, no relationship with God, nothing. Amen. So all of that came out from talking about You know, align our will with God's will. So, so, um, outside of the context of what I'm talking about this morning, if you want to know the will of God for your home, for your family, right? As a husband, sorry, if you want to follow or obey God's will for your family, you need to understand what God expects of you as a head of a home, as a wife, as kids. How does God want you to love your wife? How does God want you to respect your husband and love your husband? Amen. The quality of a Christian life is... Is demonstrated in your home. I repeat, the quality of a Christian life is demonstrated in your home, not in church. Many men do do not like pastors because their wife is respectful of the pastor and treats them like a second-class citizen. The quality of your Christian life is proven and tested and determined and seen by how you conduct yourself in your home. If everyone seeks to excel in their home, we'll have a lot of amazing Christians out there. I repeat, if every believer seeks to practice Christianity in their home with their loved ones, we'll have many amazing Christians out there. But because we have been trained and conditioned, programmed to have a face and to look good to the world, when we hate our, 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 our younger sister, and I have family members like that, we hate our younger sister, we come and trash her, we, tra- we, we mess her about, all kinds of we, we treat her, we treat her like, as if she does not value or have meaning in life. And we go, to, we go to church on Sunday, and we are the head singer, lead singer, worship leader, and everybody sees the guy and the girl, like, wow, they are amazing, amazing couple. No, they are evil people. We will live with them at home, know who they are, what they do. But when people seek to excel at home, walk in love by force, by fire with their family members, and they make it their lifestyle, come on, friends. They don't need to cook or pretend to look somewhere in front of people because that's, because that's who they are. So either has been your lifestyle, or you know friends who are like that. I don't know what God is saying to you this morning. We got to change. We should seek to excel at home, to be sound, amazing Christians in our home with our loved ones. The people will see you when you wake up in the morning and the ones will see you when you go to bed. Those, your, your family members should be able to attest to the quality of your Christian life, not what outsiders are saying. I know I touched on this last week, but I don't know why God is still leading us in this direction. Amen. Not what your pastor sees. Who are you when the lights are off? Friends, I tell you what. If we would act on this, if we would make this our goal, man, our Christian life would be like like paradise on earth. I, I was speaking to one guy. One day I said, how I live my Christian life is such one that God can say... I can trust Tunde. Yeah. That is how I'm building my Christian life. I want God to be able to trust me to say, you know what? I can trust Tunde with this. Now, if you listen carefully to what I've just said, my focus is not on how Jasmine may perceive me or how Mrs. Jones may perceive me. You can't, no, It's not about their perception because they don't really know what, what I, who I am in the core of my heart. But my focus is on the core of my heart can God trust me with other people's wives? Can God trust me with other people's daughters? Can God trust me with people's money? It is my personal work with him. I want to be a person that heaven can depend on. They can say, if Tunde is there, we can bank on him. This is what he will do. So can you also start working on that kind of perception that can God trust me? No, no. This person, is, this person had an accident. If I wake Sunday up to go help them, even though it's 3 a.m., Sunday we stand up. Though it's not convenient. Can we become people that everyone can bank on? Can we? If we want to become people that God can depend on, God can trust, then we need to really work on who we are behind the curtains when the lights are off. Because that is when we can truly say we are living a Christian life. Not for people to approve of us, but for us to know that we are one with God the Father. So you will never be afraid. Anyone can badge into your office when you know there's no such thing as when your guts are down or anything. Because you are that same person consistently. So I'm not saying we are there yet and I'm not there yet. But can we make that our own mission, our own goal? That I want to be a person that God can trust. I want to be a person that heaven can depend on. I want to be a person that can be counted on. I want to be a dependable person. It's sad that in my life now, I'm, I'm having less people I can depend on. I've started seeing some characters and some people that I know that I can not depend on people. And yesterday, I was feeling bad a little bit because it's making my journey feel a, little, a bit more lonely. And I was like, why are people like this? But I'm not going to give up because I know there are people out there that I've not met that are trustworthy, dependable, and I can be counted upon. Would you, do you want to be that person? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so I believe, I believe God is speaking to someone there. So going back to obedience, so aligning our will with God's will. Now, I gave us an exercise last week. We're going to review it as soon as we finish the service. Um, a few things I'm going to tie up into what I'm talking about this morning. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will you'll be able to use the Holy Spirit to help you get a message now so uh, I asked you a few questions last week you know if God um, when your name is mentioned what do people think how do you add value to people's lives I hope we get we've been able to think on those things during the week uh, before today I remember I sent out a message last week that you guys should come back to church with that um, you know with, with what you wrote down amen so what, what, as, what did God ask you to do? So we're looking at obedience to God's will. Now, there are a lot of benefits to obeying God, to align ourselves with God's will, to understanding God's will and giving ourselves to it. And there's so many things about the will of God. Now, one of the things about the will of God is our sanctification. The Bible says in the book, of, I think, 1 Thessalonians 4, that each one of us, that God's will for us is for us to be, to live a sanctified life, to live a, a, a holy life right that each one of us should learn how to possess our body in sanctification and honor which means each one of us should learn to live should learn to train our body to live right not live a sinful life so the bible, so the bible in that sense is telling us it's our responsibility to, to to take control of our body to do stuff with our body for uh, romans 12:1 says that uh, let me let's go there romans 12:1 the reason why I'm talking about this is because some Bible scholars may be watching me and they say, no, that's not what it means. Some people don't think with all due respect. I've seen, I've seen a lot of thoughtless Christians in my life and it's so shocking how people don't think. Can I challenge you? This is, this is a word from me, not from the Lord. Let's learn to think. Let's learn to think. You know, Going back to Ephesians 5.17, don't act thoughtlessly. Think. Think before you speak. Think before you act. It's not a common practice, and the world we live in today is becoming more thoughtless. Even men of God, respected men of God, you know, ask myself questions like, "Man of God, were you thinking? Are you thinking?" And I notice that a lot of men of God who consume social media content a lot don't—they are becoming less intelligent, and it's—I guess—can tell that it breaks my heart. Amen. I wish I could give more examples, but it will, it will unfold some people's identity. People are becoming less thoughtful. They're becoming more careless. Not mindful of people. Less caring. More selfish. Though the Bible tells us that that attitude will increase. But yes, but in the world, but what about you believers, Christian children of God? Amen. Uh, Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers... And sisters, this is the NLT. I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because all He has done for you. Let them be a living sacri- a living and holy sacrifice. Sorry, let me let me take it. Let them be li- let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. You know, this is not speaking it in the way I, I speak my English. So let me let me bring out. Oh, go on. Let me read the. Uh, Nick and James. I'm not old school, but um, I just like it. I I like this. Watch this. Watch this. She needs to check this out. I beseech you, therefore. (laughs) I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech. Admonish you. (laughs) Jasmine is laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she wants to come to to you guys' rescue to break down, beseech to you guys, right? So I charge you, I admonish you, but I like the word beseech. Hallelujah. I beseech you. (laughs) Makes it sound like a serious preacher. (laughs) So I beseech, therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So part of the will of God is for us to present our bodies to God, to do, to to honor God with our bodies. Amen. To honor God with our bodies. So there are many different points in the Bible that references other points at the will of God. But today, I'm looking at what is called you to do. God's will with regards to what is called you to do. Amen. So let's go back to the book of uh, so let's go back to the Old Testament now. And let's look at Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. Jeremiah 4. No, Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. Jeremiah 1, 4. Are we there. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. So I asked a question. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm pausing a little bit. I said, what has God called you to do? Do you know God's will for your life? You know, to be honest with you guys, I wanted to kind of stop this teaching. I mean, and move on to many other topics. But like, Lord, ask, you ask me to propose thing. Okay, I'll go back and continue. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what has God called you to do? There's something in the heart of God about you knowing his will and pursuing it. And if I want to use my mind to analyze this, if we're expecting 2023 to be our best year ever, then it means that it's the year that we did something the most with our lives and produced most value, advance God's kingdom. And we need to know what that is that God wants us to do, not what just we think or what we feel. We don't want to act thoughtlessly. Amen. We want to know what we are called to do, get on track, pursue it, so that we can see the result God wants us to see. Amen. So verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ha ah, the Lord, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all, but you shall go to, all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my word in your mouth. See, I have these days set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the yeah." Uh, Let me say, then it goes on and on until asking him, okay, yeah. So, what I'm trying to call out here in the life of Jeremiah is this. Let's go back to verse 6. Now, the Lord said to Jeremiah in verse 5 that he has ordained him a prophet. He has called him to be a spokesman for himself. But look at what Jeremiah said. He said, Sir, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. So when God calls you to do something, the first thing many people tend to do is to disqualify themselves. Look, look at something that is inadequate. So, guys, this is, because of my time today, I'm going to the I'm going to jump ahead of myself in certain instances. I may not follow an order of tell, you know, telling you the benefits of it, the benefit of that. So, when I get to the benefit of following God's will for your life, I may have actually mentioned a few things uh, previously. So, just please just stay with me, right? So, most of the time when God calls us or when God begins to show us what he's calling us to do, the first thing we tend to do is to disqualify ourselves. This guy said, Lord, God, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. So what does youth have to do with what God has called you to do? So this is one of the reasons why many people don't fulfill God's will for their life because they see an inadequacy in them or they see something to, that, is, that, is, that disqualifies them or the people they've seen in their lives who do the will of God are of certain, have certain characteristics or features or age. or s- They have something. And because they don't have it, so they don't think they fit in. I was speaking to my brother in law during the week, and uh, we we're talking about ministry in general and living, life, living, living out a Christian life, doing what God has called you to do. And he was talking about how you know, he's he wrestled with the sense of he's not fit enough to do this because he has not fasted long enough. He has not prayed long enough. And I told him that, I t- gave him a duration of time. I said, you know, in this duration of time, I didn't fast up to 20 times. And a lot of deliverance, deliverance happened through me. I said, I couldn't fast because I, because I have health issues and the kind of job I was doing was very mentally draining. I was in meetings from, usually I start, meet, I start my day with meetings from the morning to night, talking on the phone. So if I don't have some sugar in my body, how do you expect me to be able to handle some very sensitive, controversial, challenging conversation in the workplace without some tea or something in my belly to be to be able to concentrate? So regardless of whatever they've told you about fasting, that because because and I, I do fast on Saturdays, it's just it just kind of comes to me. I just, you know, times times when I read my Bible, you know, and I'm not Involved in mentally draining activities, fasting is just easy for me. So some people condemn you that you don't fast. And I used to have a friend like that who used to give me those kind of vibes. But I looked, but one day I had the courage to look at him and, and said to myself, if you do the job that I do, you will know why I, I'm not able to fast on Mondays to Thursdays. You know, one of the reasons why. I, I okay. I'll leave that aside because I'm still I'm still I'm still processing that because it's one of the things. That, one of the most ridiculous and upsetting things I've been through. You know, in among my friends. Well, I don't have much anymore. anymore anyway, I get to me. They just because they they are fasted, or they have a lifestyle to fast, or they have prayed, or they pray two hours per day and things like that. And they, they cast an image, an impression of you that you don't know what you're doing. You are you can't do this. So there are two sides to this now. So there's one side whereby where you don't think you can do what God has called you to do because the people who are doing what God has called them to do and are having result, they seem to be of certain caliber, race, age, gender, or some kind of thing. So you disqualify yourself for what you know God has called you to do because of what you see in other people. And it's sad that many people on the other side treat us as if we are insignificant or we... And some of them actually don't know it is wrong and that's why you know immaturity in leadership is one of the biggest plague in christian circles when you appoint to leadership immature people people who don't know how to care for people who don't know how to speak people who know how, don't know how to treat people with respect you make them prophets you make them pastors apostles and they roam people's lives in the church and control people you are better off having a church of 20, 30 people than having a church of 500 and you have immature people in leadership. They will destroy people. Immature people destroy people. They break people. I repeat, if a pastor is watching me, I don't know what's going on this morning. You know, you know how, my, how we run service. I just follow how the Holy Ghost leads me. If you appoint immature people to leadership, People who you don't know what God's will is for their life. And for you to even appoint people who are immature into leadership, it shows that you are not aligning yourself with God's will. Because if you are aligning yourself with God's will, you will know that you are not supposed to appoint these people into leadership because they are breaking people. Immature leaders break people. They destroy people. Amen. So two sides I'm talking about, talking about aligning ourselves to God's will. Don't discourage, you. don't disqualify yourself for what God has called you to do because of the examples you have seen in other people, because of the specification you have seen in other people. And guys, I, I struggle with this for many years in my life because the guys around me there gives me this vibe that you know <laughs> you don't fast like we fasted, you have not prayed like we prayed. You know, somebody said one stupid thing to my wife one day, said me, I'm not consistent. I'm still trying to get over that thing. You go have a private conversation with my wife and say all oh, manner of dirty and ungodly things to my wife, all of the name because you said you're my friend, the kind of stuff you think you have access to my family and can just say stupid things. So people don't understand how their actions, but sometimes they don't. Some people are just not thinking. It goes back to what I was saying earlier on, immature people. You don't put immature people in leadership. They will destroy people. So two sides to it. So what are you looking at? Now, let me, like I said, I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little bit here. If you know God has called you to do something and you think you are not fit enough for it, do you know what you're supposed to do? Start. Take the fourth step. Now, God always calling you to do that thing will not leave you angry. Will not leave you helpless. It will guide you. So, it's not enough for you to know what God has called you to do and Decide to, ch- to pursue it the way you think. Ask God a question. How should I pursue this? I repeat, how should I pursue this? Ask God a question. Myself includes, included and many Christians, many Christian leaders have made a lot of mistakes because we hear what God said but we did not ask him for direction. We didn't ask him for the next step. Lord, what should I do now? You know, God said to Jeremiah there, everyone I ask you, can you say that? Everyone I ask you to go. So it's not only that God has ordained Jeremiah a prophet over nations, but he said, you will go to everyone I command you to go to, to speak to. So that assignment will be preceded by the instruction of the Lord. I think sometimes when we begin to hear God, and i will begin to see what is calling us to do. The first thing we think of is how somebody else did it. Friends, your assignment may be similar to your neighbor's assignment or another brother or sister or Christian sister's assignment, but there's a uniqueness to how you will deliver yours. I repeat, there's a uniqueness to how you will deliver yours. See, there's no transformers church in the world. There's no other transformers church in the world. And there will be no, they may have the same name as ours, but there will never be this transformers church anywhere else in the world. So I'm going to build this church and run things as I'm led by the Holy Ghost, regardless of whoever of my friends think I am not thinking straight. It's none of their business. They did not call me. None of them were there when Jesus when Jesus appeared to me, Well, some of my friends. Or one of my friends is still is a kind of upset that I started the church uh, because um, I think they, they thought I should serve under them and stuff like that. It Just doesn't make sense. But that's what they think because they thought you know I should serve. On, they thought, but Jesus appeared to me, showed me his people struggling, suffering, and he said I should shepherd his people. You want to hear the truth? I am primarily called to Christians to pastor. Now, the things I learned in Bible school about pastoring, the things I learned in Bible school about building the ministry are very contrary to the things that God is showing me. I'm still struggling, to be honest, because I'm trying to weed out of my mind the things that I know to be ministry compared to what God is calling me to do. When Jesus appeared to me, in the according Matthew 9, 36 to me, he said, and when he saw the people... He said they were broken. I can't remember, I can process it right now. He said, he, he, he looked at the people with compassion. He said, because they were, they were broken, they were distressed, they were um, abused. And he said, they were like sheep without shepherd. And the Lord said to me, he said, shepherd my people. You know, I was meditating on these things and uh, I, I, I'm meditating because, you know, when you're trying to build a church, you want to do it right. You want to, there's so many things to think about. And everything all the way back to 2005, when the Lord called me into ministry, was telling his people in um, 2005 of October, when God actually spoke to me about you know, coming to ministry, he said, what do you see? What do you see? He said, my children are wallowing in sin. Immorality has become the order of the day. Now raise me an army for world transformation? What do you see? What do you see? My children, when Jesus appeared to me, shepherd my people. When the Lord was starting us on this, it showed me be many believers who are sophisticated, posh Christians, but do not know what the gospel is. I'm sharing my personal life and example with you guys, probably to encourage hopefully to encourage you guys, that the way you will deliver your ministry is very different, will most of the time be very different from what other people have done. So don't disqualify yourself for what God is showing you to do because of the uniqueness attached to what is calling you to do. Obviously, it will not be out of the scriptures. God will not ask you to fulfill his ministry or his assignment for your life with sin or in sin. I don't believe any pastor is called to um, have smoke screen in the church to fulfill ministry. You know, you go there, you use a smoke screen, you bring Davido into um, to, to your church, let him come and minister his death. To your people, or you bring whiskey, let him come and pour void venom and death onto your people. Those things are just ridiculous. Amen. So your ministry is unique, your assignment is unique. Ask God a question. What is it? Ask him question. God will not leave you by yourself, he will give you direction. Ask him questions. He said to Jeremiah, you will go to whoever I ask you to go to. I ask you to go to. You know, yesterday, I was feeling bad for myself because of a lot of my stupidity. And I had to encourage myself but towards the end of the day. I was, I was thinking, I said, how was I so stupid to allow these believers to influence me, to make me think I am not worthy of what God has called me to do? I have, I have, I have had unique experiences that many of my friends did not have. And yet I, I stupidly allowed them to disqualify me for what I'm called to do because of how they think things should happen. I felt so stupid yesterday. And I have to be encouraging myself like, Lord, what, 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 what happened to me? What was I thinking? And I robbed many people of their blessings because of this, these guys around me who are so proud of themselves. I felt so sorry for many people that will have touched and blessed and helped because I was, look, I was stupidly looking at what other... I, I, was, I was stupidly following someone to, or some people who, do, to some extent, do not know what they are doing. Not that they don't know the word of God that they can not preach. But they don't know what they are doing. Because if you know what you are doing, you don't castigate other people and condemn other people. and make And because they are not doing things the way you want them to do things or how you think things should be done. And you just rubbish them, trash them. A friend from Bible school was telling me how his pastor started having issues with him because he told his pastor that he feels God is calling him this way. And the guy took him as an enemy. Are people well at all? This guy, I don't think he's done much as to what God has called him to do because whether you like it or not, what your pastor says to you, your pastor that you hold in high esteem, you respect, their their attitude and response to what your assignment will affect you. If they celebrate it and help you to succeed, you realize you will go far. If they, cast, if they condemn it and discourage you or don't support it or take you as an enemy, whether you like it or not, it will affect you. It will affect you. So, I don't know what battles or struggle you guys are going through in your mind because I don't know what God has been showing you because if God commanded me to or instructed me to start this year talking about purpose... It means that he wants to speak to you guys, or he must have been speaking to you guys. So, what's discouraging you? What's holding you back? I'll show you from scriptures that God will guide you. He will help you. He will support you. He's going to give you instruction as to how to go about it. He's not going to give gonna. it's not going to leave you, how do you put it? Uh, throw you at the deep end. How do you put it? Uh, is that how you say it, right? Uh, my, my English wife. Just when you're laughing at me, right? <laughs> uh, so God, God is not going to throw you at the deep end. He's not, not going to leave you by yourself. Ask him. So your own walk today, you guys are going to go back home. Whatever God is speaking to you about, you have to first of all repent of your disqualification of yourself. Whether you were youth or you're not worthy, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's interesting that I've been through those things and I'm, and I'm going through it so I can identify with you guys. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a battle for you to knock yourself out of that, um, that mindset where people have that stronghold where you think you are not good enough. That stronghold of disqualification. It's going to be, it's going to take a fight. And I want to say to you guys that if... People's disqualification and discouragement of you to do what God has called you to do has affected you this badly that you did not step into what God has called you to do. It tells you that you should not do such to other people. Don't discourage people. Don't disqualify people. What people may be saying may not make sense to you. There's a way you can encourage people. Friends, be mindful of how you are quick to speak. Because when people come to you to share their ideas with you, sometimes they are coming from a point of vulnerability. Some of them have been struggling for weeks because they don't believe in themselves or they don't believe that God can walk through them and they bring it to you and the first thing you do is laugh at them. (laughs) You kill their vision. You kill their passion. Let's be sensitive. Amen. We should not act thoughtlessly. We should understand the will of God for our lives, for other people's lives, no. how God wants us to approach other people, work with people. We should be mindful of our reaction and interaction with other believers. Church, are you listening to me at all? Because it starts from here. Don't forget where, uh, now I think I'm seeing where God, where, God, where God is going. When I was talking about, you know, the quality of a Christian life starts from your home. I mean, it was demonstrated in your home. Now, it's making sense to me because I was like, Lord, this is not making sense. So, in this house, we practice Christianity in this house. I don't know if, how you guys have conversations all, uh, behind, um, I mean, offline or if you guys have conversations at all. I know a few people have conversations. How do you guys interact with one another? Do you encourage one another and bid one another up? Or you are so self-conscious, so self-possessed, so self-obsessed... Okay. All right. I want I, I to say something I'm thinking, because this is a stream live, should I, I say? It? Okay, I will not say it. But I'm expecting some response. <laughs> I will say it to, so that, I, you know, my family, they're amazing people. I won't I say it. I won't say it. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. Fantastic. Right. So I have a long way to go with you guys, uh, but I feel good the Lord wants us to start become, um, becoming thinkers. One of the things that I've seen among many Christians. That bothers me a lot is that many Christians don't think. They don't process things. They speak spontaneously without thinking. They don't think whether their words hurt other people or not. Friends, that should not be happening in this house. I've not had I've seen signs from one or two people, kind of thing, but that should not be happening in this house. The Bible says that you should be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's how we must conduct ourselves, quick to listen. So, it's not about, me, I like this. I, I like this. Who cares? The Christian way is not what you like. The Christian way is what God wants in people's lives. I like this. I like this. Ah, this is how I like it. This is how me, I like it. It's ungodly. It's demonic. Because the Bible says that the wisdom that is of, the wisdom that focuses on self is demonic. And we are not demonic people. So we look, we've seen the life of Jeremiah. I would like us to look at the life of Joshua. We'll continue then next week. Uh, you know, as I was speaking, even though I, I, I submitted myself to the will of the Lord, right, practicing obedience, my mind was actually on Joshua. You know when people say things like, whatever the soul of your foot shall step upon, I have given to you. No, I, I can't wait to, you know, to act some drama in that regard. I mean, that's where my mind really is because I, I have some stuff to share with you guys there. Amen. So as we wrap-up, I've kind of given you takeaway. I, I kind of felt in my spirit that the service was going to go this way. Uh, Here's how to give you some stuff um, ahead of time so that you have some action points, right? Because I, I, I had action points in my note. I, I mean, after teaching this um, teaching the entire... Message, right? So I'll come to the takeaways hopefully next week. But the Lord is speaking to us, He wants us to take our time to sit down, understand His will, and and not to disqualify ourselves before whatever reason. He wants us to go to speak to whoever is called us to speak to or do what He's called us to do. Now, next week I'll, I'll start showing us uh, the consequences of not going. I've seen some in my own life, the consequences of not going, uh, to, to the consequences of disobeying God's voice in our personal life and the life of other people, right? Um, Even since we started, even though we started online and just really, really settling in face to face, uh, to be honest, uh, a few situations that we've had to deal with in the life of other people, and I was thinking, Lord, what if I had not gone? Are you saying this person could have died? I mean, myself and had had the privilege to deal with some cases on people's lives and you know, when I'm when I'm by myself, the question I ask myself is, Lord, if I had not done this, what would have happened to, to this person? And other things that God is calling me to do that I've not given myself to, because I'm still wrestling with this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. Trust me, guys, and this will be honest, no matter how bold I seem to look kind of stuff, I am I'm dealing with some sense of, um, I would say unworthiness to some extent, or... Uh, a sense of not, 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 not able to do this. I get to me. Uh, because um, as, I, as I'm planning, as I'm, as I'm taking steps to step into the next phase of my life, ministry and calling, the resistance I'm facing internally, psychologically, are actually exposing how much damage some relationships have done to me. And I think one of the reasons why yesterday I, was so, I felt so bad with myself, asking myself, like, how did I allow those people to do this to me? friends very close friends pastors men of god why did i allow them to control my life this much and i did not have a clue as to the damage they were doing to me psychologically and emotionally i did not know and that's why if anyone is watching or listening to me and you are in a controlling relationship you got to get out now i mean with people if it's a marriage relationship then what you need counseling But if you you want me to be very honest with you, some of you guys may have to separate from your spouse for some time and go seek help because they will make you redundant, useless. I mean it. Some of you mean to go cancel it and separate from your spouse for some time because of your life. And it depends on how much value you see in your life and it depends on the extent of that, um, of the abuse going on in your your marriage. Some of you guys may just have to go on holiday, by force, by force holiday for three to three months. To just go and clear your head and think and pray. So I'm not saying you should divorce, but some people are in their absolute mess. They've lost sight and sense of their vision, their calling. I'm not saying you leave your spouse and um, you, know, you are gone forever. No, we're talking about what God has called you to do, what that abusive marriage has done to you. Can I say to you, your marriage does not define your life. Does not, your marriage is not, a, is not a reflection of your worth in any way, shape or form. God may hate divorce, but not the divorcee. People need to get it. The society has made us to think marriage, our life is, you know, if your marriage feels that you are filled in life, is a lie. Because what if you were never married? What if you were never married? Or are they saying that other people who are not married, that they are filled in life? What's wrong with people's brain? It's by a of prayers. Father, we thank you for your word that has come to us this morning as you speak into our heart. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and where you are taking us to. Father, we, th- we can see in our spirit, we can see in our heart that you are up to something. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you help us as a church family to be able to receive this, to break through these barriers and, and strongholds that have held us back for so long. This psychological, emotional, spiritual. Uh, struggles and forces of darkness that the enemy has positioned in our life through people. Lord, we Lord, we, we pray as a family that it, it, as we receive your word that we are breaking through and that we are, we are experiencing your freedom to see and to become who you have called us to be. And we are stepping into this because many lives and destinies depend on what you have called us to do. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will not hold ourselves back so much that you know, that there's casualties because we are not stepping into the place of our calling. Lord, no, we receive help this morning. We receive strength in our heart this morning. We receive deliverance this morning as we, as we meditate on your word. That we are not just a youth, that we are not incapable or unqualified to do your will. Because there's, You have never. no one is ever qualified to do your will, but you qualify us to do your will. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray.